Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God, to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. Welcome back to Trending. We're going to talk about whether or not you should demand more of yourself in the day-to-day. We're in this part of Pope St. John Paul II, Theology of the Body, where he gave these talks 40 through 43. If you're following along in this series, we've been going through this for multiple weeks now, developing this human anthropology as Pope St. John Paul II lays out. And this theme of these few talks that he gives is really this idea of whether or not we should demand more of ourselves. And the answer is yes. We hear a lot about growth mindset and we hear this in the secular world, but sometimes we just have this conversation like, all I need is me and Jesus and that's enough. But any and every relationship we have, we need to put work into. We need to put effort into to grow it. And that often demands that we grow in our thoughtfulness toward others, our behavior and interaction. Now, as we've been walking through this series, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 27 through 28, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, the context of this is just a few verses prior. Jesus has said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And Pope St. John Paul II in the Theology of the Body says that Jesus is showing us how deep down it is necessary to grow. And how he goes on to say how the innermost recesses of the human heart must be thoroughly revealed. So Pope St. John Paul II is saying that what Jesus is calling us to is this greater sense of growth and honesty and integrity about what we are experiencing in our interior dialogue, in our thoughts, in our desires, and they need to be purified with integrity. And this really does tie back into the difficult conversation we've had this hour about pornography and the growing prevalence of child pornography, as horrific as that is, is that we need to start with a moral foundation that does challenge in a much deeper way a sense of growth and integrity. Problem is, is that we live right now with our fallen human nature in a way that we tend to reduce others to just means to our own desire. We objectify people. We have this utilitarian mindset where we use someone as a utility. We even reduce ourselves in many ways to enjoying the urges that we ourselves experience and indulging in those urges, even if it's just going on internally in our minds and not necessarily acted upon. This is why a lot of people justify things such as pornography or objectification and lust of others. This is a reduction of ourselves and others, a reduction of ourselves in terms of our femininity as women and masculinity as men. Pope St. John Paul II says that with this, it loses sight of that original intention of Pope St. John Paul, of Jesus, of God, the creation of the spousal meaning the body, as we've discussed so much at the beginning of this series, that from the beginning, the dawn of creation, God created us a male and female, and that complementarity between between man and woman that was seen so clearly prior to the fall of Adam and Eve was understood in a way that 
men and women are meant to come together in intimacy to have children. And not just that, but there, there was a value system that was so deeply ingrained and understood of the other, of femininity for masculinity and masculinity for femininity, that there was this honor and love and appreciation. And how Pope St. John Paul II points how to even today, within the context of a committed marriage, it's easy to objectify, to turn your spouse into a utility, a tool. And so we are called to be challenged in the fact that it's true. God will judge us at the end of our lives for all of our actions, both seen and unseen. And we have to account for all of our sins, not just those things that other people see, not just those things that we physically harm others. The Old Testament law, where it wasn't God's law in the Decalogue, but in the rules and regulations of the Jewish Israelite society, where they made many compromises for what the Ten Commandments demanded of the Hebrew people. But Pope St. John Paul II says, Christ, by contrast, teaches that one fulfills the commandment by purity of heart. In other words, this is only possible by firmness in all we face. A purity of heart, Pope St. John Paul II says, is gained by the one who knows how to be consistently demanding from his heart. From his heart and from his own body. So Pope St. John Paul II is saying that Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about, I've not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. He's calling us to more that's made possible through grace. And with that requires an integrity of heart, an integrity of mind, body, and soul. And Pope St. John Paul II is saying that this is only possible through firmness, through being consistently demanding of ourselves. He says demanding of the heart and of the body as well. This is why things such as exercise are so important. It's virtuous to do those things that we don't feel like doing. It's virtuous to push ourselves and challenge our muscles. It's virtuous to challenge ourselves to wake up earlier than feels comfortable. It's virtuous to fast because that helps in disciplining the body. In fact, there's a catechism of the Catholic Church quote, and we'll include it in the episode notes for today's show and post part of this on social media as well. I love it. It's from paragraph 2342. And it says in the Catechism, self-mastery is a long and exacting work. One can never consider it acquired once and for all. It presupposes renewed effort at all stages of life. The effort required can be more intense in certain periods, such as when the personality is being formed during childhood and adolescence. I love this line of the catechism. In fact, I should print it out and post it or write it on random places to hide, to find it in my house because I need to hear this. Self-mastery as the catechism the Catholic Church says is a long and exacting work. It needs renewed effort. It's never acquired once and for all and that's it. And I love this as a parent, something to remember that in particular, this long and exacting work needs to be at the heart of being parents, where we're helping to form children in adolescence to 
have a sense of self-mastery, self-discipline, of guidance, to know where to go when we fall down to confession, but to know the virtues, to pray for them, to seek to acquire these, to do the things we don't feel like doing so that we may be more demanding of ourselves for the grace of the kingdom of God. It's only through the grace of God that we will be able to do so. And this is part of what I love about Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body is that it's human anthropology. It's helping us to better understand the original vision of the human person, our fallen human nature, and the need for grace and discipline to grow into the design of the human person that God had in store. To be beheld in the eyes of the Creator is that creation in the way in which He intended from the beginning. I hope you'll continue to join us in our Theology of the Body series with Pope St. John Paul II. We're actually walking through each and every single one of his catechetical talks that were given over the course of five years, dating back into the 70s and 80s. They are an incredible human anthropology that can guide and help change your life by diving deep into the anthropology of sacred scripture and the Catholic Church's teaching. So be sure to catch the series. All the episodes are posted on trendings podcast relevantradio.com wherever you catch your podcast but please download the relevant radio app it's quick and easier for you to listen on demand for free to all of our episodes let's go ahead and talk a little bit about pope saint john paul ii's theology of the body and if you have a question number is 888-914-9149 so what i want to talk about is why some of those seemingly great philosophers in the eyes of secular psychology and modern day ideology think that these people who are very influential, they think their thoughts are wonderful and should be the way we live our lives. So whether you're a philosopher buff or not, those three philosophers I want to talk about in a few moments here will be Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, and Friedrich Nietzsche. They have all had a massive influence over how Many people live their lives today. They are influencers. We talk a lot about influencers on social media. Well, they are influencers who have helped to set a precedence on the way we think, the way we write. And it's important that we understand what we agree with in their thought and also what we disagree with. And this is part of what Pope St. John Paul II did all those years ago during his Theology of the Body series that he delivered in the 1970s and 80s in I think that this conversation is so fundamental because we're in the thick of catechetical talks 44 through 46. And this theology of the body focus is centrally focused on human anthropology. It's not human sexuality. It's human anthropology first and foremost. We've been walking through Jesus's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And what Pope St. John Paul II indicates is that this Sermon on the Mount is not open for interpretation. This section where we've been talking about it for days now, but it's so important and central, Pope St. John Paul II says, to understanding a human anthropology. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28, You've heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pope St. John Paul II says it's stupendously concise, that is, this scripture, in comparison with everything written on this topic in world literature. That is, this idea of concupiscence, our tendency towards sin, people tend to excuse it or legalize it. And what Pope St. John Paul II is saying is that Jesus Christ is stupendously clear. I love that word. You couldn't get more of an emphasis if you asked for one. The idea is key. 
there's a difference between how we can act versus how we should act. There's a difference between desire and the choices we choose to indulge in from our thoughts to our actions. And I think that's key in this whole idea is that Jesus is challenging and holding us responsible, culpable, even for those very things we think about. Pope St. John Paul II ends up addressing woefully wrong anthropologies, that is, ideas about the human person, the way we live, and how far wrong they go, go, yet often they still peek their head in modern psychology and often sometimes even just in the way we think about ourselves and others and navigate our lives. For example, Manichaeism. I think that this is key to understand that it's this rejection of the body, or should I say this idea that the body is the source of all evil. So some people then like to reject the body as irrelevant. That's wrong. It's a heresy. We're body and soul. And some people like to blame the body as the source of the problem. Manichaeism was completely rejected by the Catholic Church many years ago, yet still some people within Christian Catholic communities struggle with thinking that the body is strictly the source of sin and the soul is what's good and there's this division between the two. And there is a war between the body and the soul. But the body is not to be rejected nor is the soul to be rejected. It's that we need to, through grace, the grace of Christ, and through using our intellect and free will, actually make choices that dictate our body rather than just following our desires, our carnal pleasures. And so what Pope St. John Paul II is pointing at when we talk about manichaeism, this body as the source of evil, is that it's wrong because there's a value in the body. We fundamentally understand that the body has value. We don't condemn or blame the body or other people's bodies, and we don't use our body as an excuse to sin or as an excuse for our sins. Then Pope St. John Paul II points to three key philosophers thought leaders, what we'd call today influencers, who have had a major influence on modern day thought, behavior, and psychology. And he points to areas of convergence and divergence in what we can, again, agree about and disagree about with regard to these three philosophers. That is, we have Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, and Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche, we'll start with him, he and these other three all have kind of a key area of the threefold concupiscence that their thought appeals to. So we know the threefold concupiscence, pride of life, concupiscence of the eyes, and concupiscence of the flesh. This is exactly what we saw play out in the fall of Adam and Eve. We see something is desirous to make one wise. It's appealing to the eye. It's good for food, right? That fleshly pleasure, that desire of the eye, the idea of power. This was part of the fall of Adam and Eve. And with our now fallen human nature, we have this threefold concupiscence that we have to battle. And what's interesting is so much of modern psychology can often be right, but what they do with aftermath, how they expect the human person to thrive is where we disagree. So Friedrich Nietzsche, for example, really in many respects did understand this pride of life in his ideologies, the perfection of the man, the overman. But the problem was, is that it was all about power and perfection of a human person, the superman, 
but all without God. Man, in a certain respect, becomes God. And so while he got the idea right in this understanding that we have this pride of life and the way we function, we're prideful, he was wrong in how he tried to combat it. There's a Marxism, the concupiscence of the eyes, that's lived out in this objectification of the human person, this utilitarian mindset of both kind of an idea of distribution, but with that distribution, we use every individual person as subject to the government, and you're just for the purpose of utility. You should view yourself as a utility, and you should use others as utility. Then there's Freudianism. Freudianism is all about, you can imagine, that concupiscence of the flesh and that Freudian libido, as we might call it, that Pope St. John Paul II also referred to it as, where everything's about sex at the end of the day. The problem is, is that all three of these ideas almost point to this idea that we just can't help ourselves. We're base. In many respects, just like Manichaeism that says the body is a source of evil, these two say, well, you just are prideful and you should indulge in that pride and become the Superman. Or, well, we'll just reduce you to a tool because we have this concupiscence of the eye or the concupiscence of the flesh and the Freudian libido. The way we, so we agree with some of those fundamental struggles of the human person, that concupiscence, but we diverge from that and that concupiscence, our fallen human nature, is not, as Pope St. John Paul II says, is not the absolute principle of anthropology and ethics, nor is it the interpretation of the human person that we should follow. A true human anthropology sees grace at the core, sees the original creation of the human person, as we've explained in the beginning parts of the Theology of the Body series, that fundamentally the human person is good, Fundamentally, the human person is radically different. There's a chasmic difference between animals and the person. And that when we unfold this idea within ourselves of understanding God intended us from the dawn of creation for himself, he created us in his image and likeness. He created us with this wonderful sexual complementarity, complementarity of maleness and femaleness not just on a sexual carnal level, that the human person was made to enjoy life. And I think that so often we live in a culture of misery. So often this is relevant because people think, well, I'm just going to embrace the suck because life just is challenging. Or I'm going to follow whatever I desire and say, you do you, I do me, and we'll enjoy carnal pleasure, hedonism. There are many and various interpretations of how human life should be lived out. But what Pope St. John Paul II is saying, that in this statement from the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus, that he is stupendously concise in how we should order our lives. What's frightening is that we have free will. We have a choice. But that how we think and act both are held up in the moral order, that we'll be responsible for both how we thought what we allowed ourselves to continue to desire and how we acted. That's why when Pope St. John Paul II points to Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is the catalyst for us to understand. Even our thoughts are relevant and when we look at human anthropology, what a true human anthropology is, Pope St. John Paul II says the state 
of the fall and at the same time redeemed nature is a part of that human anthropology. The original intention for the human person was that we were fundamentally good, created in the image and likeness of God, made for complementarity, understanding that spousal meaning the body, the union of body and soul, the union with God and the union with neighbor, and that we must be redeemed in our nature by God. St. Paul talks about the mystery of the human person. He has that phrase, redemption of the body, that Pope St. John Paul II loves to cite in the theology of the body. He's looking at Romans chapter 8 here, where St. Paul talks about how all of creation groans inwardly for the redemption of the body. Because all of creation is only brought back into proper order through the grace of God. This is why we need the sacraments. This is why we can't just be happy on our own. And no secular idea of the five steps of happiness will make you happy. God alone will. This is why St. Augustine, after living a very sinful and hedonistic and prideful life, said, My soul, our souls are restless for you, God, until they rest in you. Secular society doesn't have the answers. We all struggle with pride, vanity, money, desire to take power with fleshly desire. But in the midst of all of that struggle, I'm called to integrity. And so are you. And Jesus, as we've been walking through this analysis of the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about how even if you look to desire a woman, you're already committing adultery with her in her heart. In other words, not just the physical act of adultery, but also the thought of adultery also is a physical act occurring within your brain that you are engaging in. And that is sinning. We see this coming to a head in modern culture with the pornography culture that people are engaging in. And so what do we need? We need the sacraments. We need Jesus Christ. We need to return to Holy Communion, worthily receiving our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we do so by first going on our knees to confession, confessing our sins, being forgiven by Jesus Christ. That priest acts in persona Christi. You are forgiven. Your sins are blotted out by the King of heaven and earth. Remember that. He's the King of heaven and earth. When we go to confession, our life is being brought back into proper order because we are reuniting ourselves to the body of Christ and the life of grace that God has in store for us. And that's why, yes, we can acknowledge the fallen state that we live in, but we also must acknowledge, as Pope St. John Paul II said, at the same time, acknowledge a redeemed state of human nature. This is our Theology of the Body series here on Trending with Timory. We are running through week nine in this series. We're approaching the halfway mark. We're starting to pick up the pace. If you're joining me, I hope for the first time, you'll actually pick up the text of Pope St. John Paul II and read his text. There are a lot of commentaries. There have been many courses on theology of the body, but what he has to say is so relevant to today. It was prophetic when he wrote it. It helps us to navigate those fundamental questions about humanity, sexuality, how we relate to each other as men and women. I hope you will dive in and enjoy it. Pope St. John Paul II, I'm paraphrasing him, over and over again in this Theology of the Body series says, and again, this is paraphrasing him, that all of human civilization in every longitude and latitude that we depend upon who a woman will be 
for and before a man and who a man will be for and before a woman. That at the end of the day, this human anthropology, how we relate men to women and woman to man is fundamentally at the core of every civilization and any point in history. And that we see the fall and rise of society based on this. This is why the debate over abortion, gender, sexuality, same-sex interaction has been at the forefront of the Catholic Church, the Catholic battle, because how we understand our human anthropology and how we relate to one another, both on a carnal level, but also on an interpersonal relationship, fundamentally is a part of living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, that understanding even in the midst of any ounce of sinfulness, experiencing same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria, abortion, Whatever you experience, and those are some extremes with all of us, all of us, myself included, has sin that we struggle with. That even in the face of that, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But will we allow Jesus to step into that space? That is what theology of the body is all about. That is what the human anthropology is. Yes, we have a fallen human nature, but fundamentally, God desired us for himself from the beginning. He's imprinted himself upon us in his image and likeness. And through the grace of Jesus Christ, all things are possible for a life of eternal joy with God. Join the Theology of the Body series of podcasts summarizing each week's talks on Theology of the Body are available at relevantradio.com. Just go to the trending page or wherever you listen to your podcast. They're there. They're labeled as Theology of the Body. This week we'll be releasing episode 9 or 10, I think it is, in the Theology of the Body series. And please Share this with a friend who is a lover of Theology of the Body or maybe is curious. So relevantradio.com, just grab that link, the Trending with Tim Rate page. 